0: This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our many differences often shows us more about what we have in common. I'm Condice Presley, and who doesn't want more joy, yes, J-O-Y, in their lives? I certainly know that I do, and my guest today is someone who is going to help us discover how to do just that. In her 30 years working as a music industry executive at Island Def Jam, MCA, and Jive Records. My guest today, Grace Harry, has lived her many creative lives at the intersection of music, art, and the passionate pursuit of joy, a long forgotten but vital birthright. The Joy Strategist takes us on a journey to explore all dimensions of joy, how we find it, how we may have lost it, how we can rediscover it and incorporate it into our lives. Grace Harry, welcome to Perspectives. Thank you so much for having me. What made you put pen to paper and craft The Joy Strategist, your path to interchange? I love that. Well, to be honest with you, I thought if we all just
1: worked on ourselves and healed, we can all just get outside and play more. So that was my selfish, uh, my selfish goal. And then also really just having a blessed and privileged life to have worked with so many amazing people in the world that just confirmed that we're all humans. And no matter what we've accomplished or gotten to, we have a lot of old stories and inner dialogue that we need to overcome to really live a joyful
0: life. And I wanted everyone to have that information. This book is a mix of memoir, prescriptive self-help exercises, and a cultural commentary on joy and why we've lost it. Why do you think so few of us have all the abundant joy in our lives that we want to have?
1: I love that. Well, first of all, I love that you started with the people who do have abundant joy. I believe these are people that work at it, that really understand that having a certain kind of life and a different certain kind of experience is our job. And that if we want to feel a certain way, we have to be the chief energy officers of our own lives and infuse that every day and create that reality. Uh, And more often it's people I'm talking to that don't feel entitled or have permission to lean into that joy. When did you start working on this? Five years ago, I had was a divorce for the third time, really feeling into what do I want to do with my career next. And then that explore, exploration opened up into what do I want to feel actually next in my life? And what do I want to leave as my legacy? And, you know, we can sit here for a long time and talk about, and I'm so glad you did. Few people don't bring that up. All the reasons we don't have joy. And, you know, we can get into a, the simplicity and the most uh, broad reason we don't have joy is that a lot of us are born into families that have a lot of expectations of how we have to operate as people to make them joyful. You know, what, who we, where we work, who we marry, where we live, all of that sometimes does not feel like our choice. And if you are raised in an environment like that, you become a people pleaser, a fear of rejectionite, somebody who really wants to be kept by their core family and doesn't want to rock the boat by leaning into their own happiness and pleasure um, and wants to do the right thing. And then, you know, you have people that were born into complicated situations into dynamics where their actual lives and their ability to choose are not theirs. Um, and so as much as there's been work and healing around that in so many cultures, we still carry a lot a lot of those beliefs and things in our bodies and in our psychics and in our realities. And until we re- rip up those old stories and re-infuse ourselves with joy, we're just gonna keep on that same hamster wheel of life.
0: I want you to say more about what leads people to find themselves as people pleasers, not wanting to disappoint others. And how difficult is it to break away from those habits once you identify that that is a trait of your personality?
1: Yes, well, for me, it was impossible. You know, I worked so hard to build this persona of the person who didn't need much, who wasn't a burden, who could take care of everyone. And, you know, I'm, I'm 53 and I say that because culturally at different times, we have different things that are infused in us. And I see within my children, That they don't carry as much as those shoulds and and expectations from the past. They have a lot more um, belief that they can decide. Whereas when I was younger, I I don't know how old you are, but I remember there was a commercial when I was about eight and it was for a perfume. And the commercial said, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and never let you forget your man. And so I remember early realizing, oh, I can have a career as long as it doesn't get in the way with what I'm supposed to do as a woman. And I'm not even saying that that's negative or positive, but it definitely was a belief that I put in my little backpack of, of shoulds and expectations and brought with me. And I turned into this person who wanted to make sure that everyone else was happy and everyone else's reality was secure so that I could feel safe. And that's not living, that's not enjoying your life. And we also have dynamics. If you come to this to this country specifically and you're not from this country, There are also a lot of beliefs about how you have to assimilate and the ways that you have to stay safe and things that you are allowed to reach out and do and things that you're not. And I just, I'm really, for me, I had to rip up all of that. I had to give myself so much courage to say, none of that feels good to me. And how am I going to emulate and embody a joyful person so that my children realize that that is their birthright and they lean into that reality?
0: take us back and tell me a little bit about your background I hinted at it in your introduction but I mean you you've worked in the entertainment business at a number of record labels and some of the things that have put you on this journey this path to where you are today
1: well being a, a young kid in New York City when hip-hop was was just kind of exploding at the time you know you know you're seeing different kinds of artists and people representing their version of of hip-hop and from the from wherever they're from and the influences and the slang and the food and the, the culture concepts that were there. It was just an exciting time. And I had so many friends my age who were becoming artists or creating, they're becoming DJs or producers. And so it just felt like a new art form and a way to expand into it. Uh, and that that was exciting for me. And, and having um, a life of a kid in Brooklyn at a time where there were so many new things Being around people, being around people who were um, just creating something new gave me permission to lean into that version of myself, too. And I took that show on the road and then made that my career. And as I aspired up that ladder, those early feelings of, of fun and passion and pleasure and joy became a lot of expectations to keep a business model moving that was not the, the impetus of my original passion. So I found myself at the top of this mountain of success, feeling just very joyless and needed to really
0: reinfuse that creative passion into my own heart. How do you define joy and why is it important for it to be a strategy, not just something to which we aspire, but something that we plan for in our everyday lives? Yes.
1: Well, I, personally, my, my joy practices change all the time because part of the practice was also realizing that I'm a multi-dimensional person with different parts of myself and different emotions and energy at different times. And instead of penalizing that, I created a toolbox, a little arsenal of many different options. And on a wonderful day, I can wake up and sing two songs and feel fantastic and sail through the day inspiring joy to all around me. On other days I wake up and I don't feel fantastic. And I have to lean a little bit deeper into that toolbox. And maybe on those days, I, you know, I take a dance class online, or I go take a class, or I get on my trampoline, or I sing a song, or I listen to a comedian because I'm needing a little bit more. Um, and also what I've learned is that that morning practice sometimes is not enough as I get into the world and I'm around people with their own expectations of me or what I'm presenting. So learning to create a toolbox that I take on the road with me and when I need to access that joy, they're, they're there and they're prevalent. And the second part of the question, I think, was how do other people access that? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes, how do you access that?
1: that? The most important thing is to realize that you already have these tools, that even if you did it one time only, one day only, when you were three months old or two years old or 12 years old, it's starting to play around with some of the things that brought you joy before, that lit you up in a way before. Um, For me, I just had this wild running tape of, non-permission to lean into pleasure and play it seemed ridiculous how why would I be doing that and when I meditated on it for a long time I had a vision of this moment where I was in Brooklyn where I grew up in this playground on a tire swing and this moment where I transcended and I was above the trees and I felt free and I felt weightless and I felt um, like the next opportunity was just ripe with opportunity opportunity was ripe with opportunity Um, and so I went out of my house as a forty-something-year-old, found a playground, got on a swing, and re-experienced that joy in my heart, and started doing that more and more. And that brought me to other things I love to do, and then I realized that I was an artist supporter, but never really felt that I was an artist, and just started to go back into those days in nursery school where a piece of paper and some paint meant a hand—you could put your hand in it, make a handprint, or it could become art. But just getting back to to art and pleasure and play as a tool for my transformation and not something to achieve or to be perfect or to, to become a career.
0: Can you share with us one or two key principles or strategy to create joy in our lives?
1: The most important thing is to realize that when you wake up, you have the opportunity of your day going however it's gonna go. But if you immediately put yourself second and don't make yourself the star of your own story and you grab your phone to see what your boss wants, or you lean over to make sure your spouse is good, or you jump out for your kids, You have already impacted on yourself, but it's not about you. And so I can almost guarantee that at some point towards the end of the day, you're not going to be so fun to be around um, and you're not going to feel so good in your body. So just starting every day when you open your eyes, even if it's for a minute or 30 seconds, making sure you feel you know this about you. And some days all I can muster is three gratitudes. I am so grateful I woke up. I am so grateful I have breath. Some days I just can't access any of that. And I just start making fun of myself. I'm like, I have molecules, I have toes, you know, I have a nose. Um, And that makes me laugh at myself, but we all can do that. We all can wake up and have a thank you or an appreciation or a moment, or even if you don't have anything in your current world to access, you can find one moment in your life where you did something for yourself that you're proud of and go back to that moment and take a look at that. But do something at the start of every single day to impress on your subconscious that you are the star of your own story. And you'll be surprised that if you really keep that as a practice, you'll start building on that. How did we as a society
0: get to be so serious?
1: Yeah, I believe that we were all just dropped here and we we're figuring it out. You know, one time the world was flat then it was round. And so we don't really know. None of us actually know, we're all just making these things up, you know? Um, but I believe that within everything, when you find something, oh, I love this, you know, I love this apple. And that apple can bring you so much joy, but what happens to everybody, as soon as that apple becomes a successful business, other rules and concepts and beliefs. And, um, I see a lot of people making decisions that are away from the core mission of that concept. And and I feel like that's what our world has done. You know, we have come so far away from the simplicity of a, a God source or God of your understanding or nature and, and, and simplicity and, even have you noticed that when you walk down the street, you, people don't even look you in the eyes. So I feel that we've just gotten so far away from our own selves as people pleasers. And we don't feel safe and comfortable being honest about what we want or how we feel. And the more we do that, the more we're gaslighting ourselves and everyone else. I mean, do you often, do you ever find yourself having a conversation with somebody, but you're talking inside your head and not outside to them? And that's the beginning of a slippery slope right there, because yeah. what you're doing, is putting yourself second, you're making their comfort the most important, and you're not having an honest exchange. So you can see down the line of 50 years of that, hundred years of that, people don't feel like they have the right to say how they feel. They don't have the right to be, show up as they are actually. As soon as we have all those things in place, we're done because no one's living authentically in their truth. And therefore it's not safe to do that yourself.
0: What role or impact has our social media culture had on our individual ability to create, cultivate and live joyfully?
1: Yes. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up because as in everything, there's amazing things and not amazing things. And it's, it's not the thing, it's the intention and how you use it. And so I can also see that the, a similar thing that's happening with social media started happening when we first had radio or we first had TV, or we first had cable TV. Anytime we have an expansion where we can see beyond our reality, and now we have more things to compare to. When I was a kid, you couldn't look into another country. I couldn't see into the day-to-day um, interactions of what kids my age were doing in another state sometimes. So I, my comparison of my child life was only my four walls or my one community. So although I could Penalize myself and feel tortured and have the things, or that I wasn't the thing. It wasn't on a global scale. So now imagine being 10 and your value and your sense of beauty and your sense of everything is now mirroring and being compared to every other 10 year old on the planet. So that huge weight of like, I don't measure up to the planet. I mean, that's beyond what I think I could have handled as a young child. Um, And so I say just like anything else, the way to use those tools is the answer. So if you're looking at things all day that when you look at something on social media makes you feel like crap, then we have the choice to lean into other things. I live in kind of a bubble in my life at this point because I can get very, you know, I worked in the industry so long. I sometimes look at my friends and people doing things and I have a different feeling of what they should do, which that's not my business. So I follow my friends I grew up with, or I follow sites that they're talking about walking in nature or uh, art, and and don't really give myself a lot of opportunity to be on the hamster wheel of other people and what they could be doing, because that's going to make me feel like crap instantly. And I have a lot of tools. So if you know that about yourself, this goes back to that morning. Don't make your beginning of the day social media or other people's reality. Let that be a gift. Let that be the treat you give yourself, not the all day dopamine hits. Let that be the you know what, I had a day of giving myself so much joy. I'm gonna allow myself to have a 30 minutes of scrolling in the afternoon and making that also a strategy so that that doesn't rob you. And mirroring that for our children. I have a lot of friends who complain their kids are always on their phone. And then I'm at dinner with them and they're doing the same thing. Your kids do as you do, not as you say. So if you're worried about your children, it's time to, to, you know, it's not gonna be popular. I was with my sister, my whole family the other day and my niece and nephew always have a tablet and she came to the restaurant with them and she had no tablets and my mother said oh what's this what's this meal going to be like because they're not going to have any you know and at that moment I said oh well we're going to play well my sister first said well we're going to have to figure it out and I said we're going to have to go back to old school when we had kids at a table and we didn't have tablets so let's play let's take out a piece of paper we can play hangman we can do uh tic-tac-toe so it really is a it's a combination that we all are working together. And if we have made this commitment to be in life together as a community, as you're starting five, as your advisory board, what is the decision you have together of how that's gonna go? So if you don't want your kids on social media all day, or if you don't wanna feel that, there's some work around having some better options
0: and enforcing those Exactly, because no one ever has a bad day on social media. Never. I mean, beyond. I I can even tell you that I've been, I've had situations
1: in my life where because of who I was around or married to or worked to, that people would say things about me that were, I mean, nuts. At one point I had like a baby bump for five years straight. I mean, not even an elephant is pregnant that long. And I say that to say that helped me out because it showed me quickly the non-truth of that platform for my own self. And so we have to hold that as TV is a fantasy. So is, so is the internet. It's also a show for us. And we have to realize that and and sign up for it in that way. What can you tell us about your Playdate community, Play With Grace? So again, that was for me. In the beginning, when I was trying to impact my own joy and and figure out what child practices I had, it was impossible. I couldn't. I was so committed to just like doing the right thing. And so I made, a. a, a, when the pandemic happened, it was maybe like a month into the pandemic, I decided to stage my house the way my childhood felt songs I loved as a kid, certain puzzles, games and things. And when I immersed myself into that reality, it was much easier to source the things that brought me joy before. And so when that was so successful for myself, I started, Um, they didn't always know, but uh, workshopping this on all my friends. So they'd come over to my house and I'd have music and songs they liked and, t- and tools and toys. But I realized right away, that was a game changer. So what I started to do with the clients is I would have a questionnaire. I would say, you know, um, what was your favorite song when you were eight? Uh, tell me one thing about you that people don't know that when you think about it, it makes you smile and just really getting inside parts of them that could be unlocked if they gave themselves permission and made an environment around so that when we started talking you're already submersed inside your life and you can access those tools easier. And now I do larger ones with groups of friends so that you can practice your starting five and learn how to talk to each other like kids again within with real vulnerability. Um, And the truth is what I'm just doing is gamifying everything.
0: And that's what we need to do. Just gamify everything, make it pleasure, make it play. We, we deserve that. You're wearing a smiley face button. I want to know the story behind that.
1: The truth is, I'll be honest with you. This is my first time ever being not the artist supporter and being the person that you're talking to and it's gray outside and I've done days of these and I didn't want to get on any call and not find it myself so I put this on so that when I'm looking at myself it makes me laugh and and just kind of come with a different energy and that's what I mean this little joy snack how simple is that a little bubbles sometimes I carry a book and I color it doesn't need to be expensive it doesn't need to take much effort it's just it's a little reminder that um, maybe I can access this feeling today
0: are some common misconceptions that we may have about our ability to find joy and understand that it is critical to who we are as people human beings and our success happiness yes to me one of the first things is that that make, that
1: breaks my heart and i and many many older people in my life like to tell me things like um I, that's not for me i was a kid already i'm just going to work hard and take care of my family and then i'm going to go to heaven And I'm not going to go to the HG double hockey sticks doing all the weird things you're talking about. So the misconception is that we're here to, to toil and not go to hell. And I say, if you're living that kind of life, you're in it, you know, you're already there. So the misconception is that this is not, we're not entitled to pleasure, that we're not entitled to joy, that there's no permission for us to lean into those kind of frivolities. And if we can just realize that when you're around people in your own life, if they have a different kind of energy that reminds you of pleasure, you feel better. And then people want to argue that that's woo-woo energy. I don't believe in energy, but we've all gone somewhere where we didn't like the vibe, but we didn't like how it felt, or that didn't feel good to us. So that's energy. So uh, my friends have a podcast called The Miracle is You, Ashley and Annie. And when I did their show, they said, oh, what you're saying is that you want everyone to be their own CEO, their own chief energy officer, and then make that your full-time job, that your energy should be in a place where you inspire other people to have fabulous energy. So that that's the misconception that this is not for you. It is, and you have no choice. And you have to work it. It is a strategy. If you want to feel better in your life, build a strategy to make it happen.
0: Three decades in the entertainment business, some might perceive that as being well, that's pretty joyous living every day because of the the artist and the vibe and the energy in that space. Uh, how did you how did you use that to build what you're building now? it's very similar
1: to what you were saying a little a few minutes ago that people think that everyone on internet is happy and everyone is great but that's a show and so working in the music industry i also came into that with that perspective like oh this is going to be amazing all these creative people with all this passion but they're humans and so they have the same insecurities and fomo and and you know imposter syndrome that everyone else has so that was the first thing it 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 brought me to a place where i had expectations that being around people like that was was going to be a jo- joyful experience. And sometimes it was and is. But also, they're human beings who, who need to tap into joy for themselves. Um, and when I got to that mountain of reality, I could just feel my own joy as life and thought, let me get off this train. Let me speak to the creator and every human being and remind people that we can create the realities we want to have and we can create the joyful lives that we believe we deserve. And let me write a book to teach people how to
0: believe they deserve it. What is it that you're wanting readers to take away from your book, The Joy Strategist, Grace Harry? I want readers to take away from this
1: book that that joy is there for them, that we have an opportunity to make the change, that if we're looking for the world to change, that's outer systemic change, right? That's That's a tall order. We want things to be different in our world, but it starts in here, right? And the joy strategist is not me, it's our own hearts. And if we don't realize that inner systemic change will be the inspiration for outer systemic change, then we're just going to be content with a world that doesn't feel good. So I want people to understand that this is not frivolous. This is this is the only tool to transformation. And it's, it's what you use to replace fear. So if fear is going well for you as your main daily um, dance partner, then have at
0: it. But if you want to have a different experience, then sign up for this real hard work. You are the woman who is leading this revolution, the joy revolution. How can people get on uh, the bandwagon and follow you in this parade to uh, greater purpose and joy in our lives?
1: Yes, thank you. Well, a few ways. One, I have a website called thejoystrategist.com. I also am on Instagram at Grace Harry. And not only if you don't feel like reading, because reading, not everyone wants to do that anymore. There is an audio book. And I am doing the, I did the reading of the audiobook. And so there's, there's many ways to, to get on the joy, the joy train with me.
0: Chris, is there anything else you wanted to make sure that our listeners knew something I might not have thought to ask you as you've been talking to, to many audiences about the joy strategist, your path to interchange?
1: Yes. I want everyone to, to do something today, like one tiny thing, just say something nice to someone else. Say something nice to yourself, pass a mirror, look in your own eyes If you don't like the way your face looks and you're picking it apart, just say, I'm so grateful I have eyes, but just start right this second in any way you can to infuse
0: some more, some more juiciness into your own spirit. The book is The Joy Strategist, Your Path to Interchange. Its author is Grace Harry. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condus Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Conda's? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives.